Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. We're going to run through a real quick episode here. We're going to get a lot in in a short period of time because that's what this week is all about. This is a short week. The Giants got their first win. They beat the uh, Washington football team. See, I got I to gotta hold myself there to make sure I don't say that dreaded R word. It's really hard. You're just so ingrained to saying that as their nickname because you've, you've been conditioned all your life. But then all of a sudden you have to stop. So the Washington football team, the Giants won that game 20-19. to 19. I actually came pretty close to actually picking it uh, on the dot. I think I picked what I picked 20. I picked a one-point Giants victory, 23-22. to 22. So, you know, a field goal each more, and there we go. I would have nailed it. And so I got to, you know, pat myself on the back a little bit because, you're, you know, prediction game is it's a tough game to play. So when you even come close, you say, hey, you know, hey, you got to pat yourself on the back and, and, and stand proud because, then they, you know, I'm, I'm sure this week I'll be off by uh, 100 points. So that's, uh, that's kind of how it goes when you're, you're in the prediction game. But we're going to go over the good, the bad, the WTF. We'll have uh, guests to talk about the next opponent, which will be Thursday night. That's why this is a real quick week, real quick turnaround. Uh, the Giants are going to be a little bit beat up for that game. Uh, everybody is when you play on Thursday night because what? You really can't even have time to have a full practice because think about it. You play Sunday. You come in Monday, you're all sore, and you're just you know healing some injuries. You're going over the film real quick. Tuesday, you're installing a game plan. You're still kind of – this is supposed to be the day off. That's usually Tuesday is usually players' day off to sort of rest up. So what they do is they essentially install the game plan, go through walkthroughs to kind of implement those plays, and then Wednesday's the day before the game. So you're not doing a real practice on Wednesday either. So essentially you're going from Sunday game to Thursday without a real practice. You're just kind of walking through stuff so you know. And you, that's the thing on Thursdays. you got to keep things simple. So anyway, the Eagles are up next. Let's go over the good the bad, and the WTF. The good is obviously the Giants finally have a victory, right? You got one. And, yes, it's against that Washington football team. They stink. Kyle Allen, their quarterback, not very good. Even but even though he drove the, the Washington down the field in the final seconds, uh, gave them a chance to win. They went for the two. Riverboat Ron going for it, which, by the way, I'm not, I wasn't totally against. I'm for aggression. They're one in, they were one and four at the time. Who cares? Go for the win. You're on the road. Who cares? Yeah, I'm all for it. You don't have that ton of confidence in your team to, to go out there and win in overtime. It's not like they're playing great. They had all this momentum. No, they're not a good team. They know it. They just drove down the field. All right, from the, what, three-yard line now, we have a chance to win the game. I mean, if I'm them, I, I don't mind it. I, I did. We'll get to that in a little bit, the, some of the, the uh, Joe Judge decisions in regards to fourth down. But let's talk about the win. Because it's important that they got the win, especially for Joe Judge's program, and he even said this. It's good that the players see it so there's something tangible to show for all their efforts. And you heard it from some of the players. like They needed it in order to produce results and to show that what they're doing is going to work. So I think this was important because they're already we're already sitting there at 0-5. That's five straight weeks. Loss, 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 loss. If you keep going down that line, eventually it's going to be hard for Joe Judge to stand in front of the room and everyone to be completely bought in. So this really helps that. That win 
allows Joe Judge to say, look, this is how we can need to continue doing things. We are getting better as a team. Look, look at the results. We produced a winning result. We're getting better. Our offense is running the ball better. Our defense is playing better. All these things. He, so it is, it is just good for the culture. It's good for the program. And it's good for the morale, right? You, nobody wants to go to work. And trust me, this even holds true for reporters. I don't want to go there and cover a losing team every week. It's depressing even doing that. You know, you're basically going into the locker room and you're asking guys, or this year it's you're going into Zoom calls and you're asking guys, why do you suck? You know? I mean, that that's essentially what it is. Of course, you, you say it in different ways, but they know it. They're being asked why they're playing poorly. You know it. You're asking why they're playing poorly. And nobody really has a clear answer. If they had that answer, then they would probably go fix it. So winning is the cure-all for everything. And, yes, it was Washington. They're not very good. They're also 1-5. But it's a win. And the division is now – I refuse to even say the Giants were in the division until they won a game. Well, then now they won a game. And if they win on Thursday night against the Eagles, you're not going to be able to deny they are now half a game out of first place. Because the Cowboys, they stink too. We all saw Monday night, brutal, terrible. I'm not sure they're going to fix that. They might win some games. Our uh, Cowboys reporter, Todd Archer, who's awesome at his job, by the way, he actually, we we each did a win-loss for the rest of the season. He somehow, and I'll give him credit, he somehow was able to look past this week Look at some. Look at the, the future schedule and come up with seven wins for the Cowboys. Now I don't think they could probably get there. I think six is probably more likely. But that's the reality. Six is going to win this division. Now the Giants beat the Eagles this Thursday night. All of a sudden you have to be like, okay, it's realistic. Right now I think they're probably more like a four-win team, four-five. I think five is kind of their their max in, in my mind because maybe they're getting better. Maybe their defense is quality. It, you know, it is legit. The offense, Daniel Jones, he'll play better. He'll win them some games. But still, they have a lack of weapons. They have some severe deficiency. It's just hard for me to get there, to get to six, to get to seven. But the division stinks. So, win Thursday night in Philadelphia, and all of a sudden, we could at least sit here with a straight face, not this phony stuff, right, and say, okay, they really are in the division race. So, we're finally at that point. Some positives on defense. You like the linebacking core. Blake Martinez, let's be honest, the guy is a player. He's a baller. 60, he was in and out this past game. Uh, he got tested for a, co- a concussion at some point. I think he had a stinger earlier in the game. 64 tackles. That's second in the NFL. I don't care what system he's playing. Blake Martinez is a st- stabili- has been a stabilizing force for this Giants team. Like, they haven't had in a while. Like, he's a real player. A quality middle linebacker. Maybe he's not an all-pro. Maybe he's not even a pro bowler. But the guy can ball. He can play. Tay Crowder scores the game-winning touchdown. You're talking about Mr. Irrelevant. The very last pick in the draft. Now, he had somewhere close to 10 tackles, depending on who you listen to in regards to who's tabulating them. Uh, He did something. Some of them were downfield. A bunch of them were downfield. I'm I'm not exactly sold that he's a great player, but look. Seventh-round pick, contributing, making plays, scoring the game-winning touchdown. That's a positive. You're getting something from your last pick of the entire draft. One could argue you're getting better production from the last pick than the fourth overall pick, which we'll get to in a few minutes. 
and Matt Pert, 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 I we can, can never get that right, Pear with a T. Uh, we'll get to him. He started in Andrew Thomas's place and actually did pretty well. We'll get, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But uh, Kyler Fackrell, also pleasant surprise. I mean, three sacks. He, he came up with that sack that, that caused the fumble that Tate Crowder then returned for the touchdown. Uh, another impact play for him. Three sacks, six tackles for loss this season, being used all over the field. Now, I looked at his pressure percentage in next-gen stats, and it actually was pretty poor and not impressive at all. But you know what? I don't really care. If you're producing and getting sacks and getting tackles for loss and you're flashing enough like that, I don't care what your pressure percentage is. So you got to like what you're seeing from him. Uh, he is the Giants' primary pass rusher at this point, so they're going to live or die with Kyler Fackrell as sort of their impact uh, edge rusher. Uh, Nick Gates, the offensive line, I thought was better. Nick Gates is making progress. And I think it was important, like people were after a couple games, Nick, get Nick Gates out of there, center, you know. This is a guy who never played tackle in a game. So like they said, the first four games are essentially like him playing in the preseason. So now we're in two games into his start of what would have been his NFL career as in a game because he had never played center. So I do see progress there. And the Giants, trust me, I talk to people who they really think that Nick Gates is going to be a a quality starting center in this league. Now the jury's out. We'll see if that's the case. But they're optimistic that that can can happen. And you're seeing progress. And it's not just him. The entire offensive line has been playing better. They allowed seven pressures. I mean, I don't think they – I think the the previous low was like 14. They allowed over 20 in the opener. So seven pressures. I know they threw the ball less, but, but and they didn't really have the ball that long. I mean, look at their total number of plays. It was in the 40s. But the offensive line is doing better. The running game has improved. Devonta Freeman is looking better. So these are all positives. The, the Giants, they're doing some decent things. Ryan Lewis on the defensive side in that cornerback two spot. He played well. He was up against Terry McLaurin a whole bunch. It seemed like the Giants' plan was, all right, we're going to have Ryan Lewis against Terry McLaurin, give him help over the top with safeties at all times, and then James Bradbury was shut down the bigger, longer uh, deep threat guys, the uh, Antonio Gandy-Goldens and uh, whoever else the Washington football team is going to throw out there. So, you know, that that's the old Bill Belichick way. And, look, the, a lot of the things the Giants do is, is brought over from New England. Pat Graham, the defensive coordinator, continues to do a good job. The defense has been surprisingly good. Um, they're bringing pressure from all different kind of places. But, you know, that, that kind of brings me into the bad. And I'm going to – we have when we go to get into the bad, we'll get to the defensive part of that in a second. But the Daniel Jones turnovers, look, he was under pressure on the one play where he threw the interception. I don't care. It's first down, first and goal. You can't throw an interception in the end zone. You either take a sack or you get the ball out of bounds. There can't be an in-between. There can't be like, whoops, for the second time this year, I didn't get the ball out of bounds. Do you just we just can't you can't have that from your starting quarterback in the NFL. It continues to raise questions about if Daniel Jones, as someone asked last week, has it. Just not sure. You can't have those kind of turnovers. It could have cost them the game. I mean, they were about to put the game away. Instead, the Washington Washington drove down the field later, right? Tied the game. I should have could have tied the game, but actually went for the win. And that was all possible because Daniel Jones had a ridiculous turnover in the red zone. And this is year two. We got to stop with these, these kind of plays. You want to see progress. You want to see that progression, and we haven't seen it this year so far. He has three touchdown passes. Crazy random stat, 
Dwayne Haskins has thrown more touchdown passes so far this season than Daniel Jones. I mean, let that sink in for a second. He has three touchdown passes in six games. Justin Herbert threw more in his last game for the Chargers in one game. So we need to see more from Daniel Jones for sure. The wide receiver production, this plays into it. I mean, look, it's not all Daniel Jones' fault. The offensive line is porous, especially in pass protection at times this year. The wide receivers have been limited. His weapons are limited. Uh, You could say he's maybe handicapped by Jason Garrett's offense a little bit right now. But the wide receiver production outside of Darius Slayton, who had a good game, but now he's dealing with this foot injury. On a short week, you got to wonder how much is how much is he actually going to be able to produce? How much is he going to be able to be himself on Thursday night? Definite question. Keep in mind, Sterling Shepard at least might come back. I think he will come back. Actually, I think there's a good chance. I'm taping this on Wednesday morning that Sterling Shepard comes back. Now, is he going to come back in a full role? No, but can he play 10, 15 plays? I think that's a possibility. You know, you'll see him out there. As sort of like, you know, your third or fourth receiver popping in there. Maybe he can give you a few catches here, here or there, give this team a jump, and sort of work his way back in the mix. To me, here on Wednesday morning, we'll see how it goes because he went out there Tuesday. He'll probably have to do a little something today. Uh, but as of now, that's how I feel about Sterling Shepard. Barring a setback, he's going to come back in a limited capacity. Now, the Giants have some injuries, for sure. Tay Crowder scores the game-winning touchdown, and now he's out. Right, this is the bad from from the the victory over the Redskins, twenty nineteen. Uh, so Tay Crowder's now on an injury reserve. He's going to miss several weeks. Down another linebacker, David Mayo. Now he's in the mix. Can he cover? No. Fortunately, the Eagles don't have any tight ends left, so we'll see. That that limits the damage. I mean, Zach Ertz had caught two touchdown passes against the Giants each of the last three years. They are very lucky he is not playing in this game. He just owns the Giants' defense. I might have just called him the Eagles. But he owns the Giants' defense. So they're pretty lucky he's not there. Now, in regards to – here's the bad. And it's not really bad saying the Giants did anything bad. It's just sort of like, okay, we've been pleasantly surprised by their defense. I've been pleasantly surprised with what Patrick Graham's been able to do with what he has available at his disposal. You like their plan. You like the multiplicity. But the reality is we don't – we're going to find out even starting this week, because Carson Wentz, I don't care what you think about him. Maybe he has played poorly at times this year. He's a quality quarterback. But think about it. The Giants are 1-5 right now, and their defense has played surprisingly well compared to what we expected. But let's take a step back and think who they faced. They've essentially faced. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be four backup quarterbacks. So the real test is going to come moving forward, right, when they play Carson Wentz, when they have to face uh, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, right? That stretch later in the year will be the real test because so far, week one, they faced uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Okay, quality quarterback coming off major arm injury, but let's consider him even in that game. He's a quality quarterback, okay? I think we all can agree on that. 
Week two, they face Mitchell Trubisky, now a backup quarterback. We all know it was never very good. He kind of tore them up a little bit at times, but in the first half. But So they face Mitchell Trubisky in week two. Week three, they play Jared Goff. Quality quarterback again. Let's consider him a quality quarterback. Some may argue that, but I'm, I'm going to consider him a quality quarterback because he's a proven guy and for this conversation at least. Then you got Nick Mullins, backup, right? You got uh, Dak Prescott gets injured early. So you got Andy Dalton, backup. Kyle Allen, backup. So this is what the Giants have faced. A lot of backup quarterbacks early in the year. So the real test on where this defense is, and look, it's good that they got this opportunity to – you know, this wasn't a defense that's overly talented. You get right, you face some of these backup quarterbacks, you gain some confidence, and then you maybe you're ready later on in the year when you have to face the top-end quarterbacks. So uh, we're, we'll see. And then let's go to the WTF, okay? So Andrew Thomas gets benched. Late to a meeting, Matt Parrott starts. Parrott plays pretty well, so now he's probably earned more opportunities. But you're talking about the number four overall pick, who was already struggling on the field. Now you have the question of whether he should even be starting on the field. And you know what? If Joe Judge is probably being 100% honest, take away their draft position, he sits there and preaches, we don't care where guys are drafted, we're just going to play the best player. You know what? Matt Parrott might have earned that opportunity to play over Andrew Thomas right now. But this is just not a good start. And I say this about Andrew Thomas, knowing the Giants have been adamant. Everybody there, and I've been told, he's a good young man. Like, this isn't Eric Flowers unwilling to take coaching or unwilling to listen to everyone to think he's he, he's too he's so good. Andrew Thomas is humble, from what I understand. Uh, he works hard. He's open to coaching. Like, so it's not that he's a bad kid. It's not like he's a bad apple and he's not going to listen and everything's going to go south. And, you know, this discipline was just kind of an extension of what they've seen so far. No, it's just that's the way he this just there was an incident. Isaac Yadam was also another young player who was kind of uh, involved in this being late kind of deal. And uh, the story that I've heard uh, right now involves some sort of uh, blown tire. But the bottom line is you. There are consequences, this is what Joe Judge says. There are consequences to your actions. And so you're late, whether it's a blown tire, whether it's, you know, your your place lost power and your alarm clock didn't go off. It doesn't matter. You're late. You're late to a Saturday meeting, day before the game. There will be consequences. You got benched for a quarter. So that's kind of where we stand. But Matt Pert played well. I think the pass block win rate on uh, – that I looked up for Andrew Thomas and Matt Parrott in that game was pretty much identical. They each allowed, they each had one loss. I think they had like eight or nine pass block reps that were charted each. So around the same, they they both did pretty well in the run game. Andrew Thomas did miss one key block on a third and short. Uh, Matt Parrott's one bad snap in, in the uh, pass protection was actually on Darius Slayton's touchdown, if you watch that. And Daniel Jones took a big hit. Uh, so, yeah. I think uh, you like what you saw from Matt Parrott. And you know what? It'll be interesting. I think he will be now rotated into the mix on Thursday night against the Philadelphia Eagles. So definitely something to watch. And with that, let's get into the Eagles with our guest for this week. 
on to the next one. All right, let's bring in this week's guest. We got two of my friends here who are extremely plugged in on the Philadelphia Eagles. They run the uh, podcast Inside the Birds. We got Jeff Mosher and Adam Kaplan. You should, if, if you follow the Eagles or, or want to know anything about the Eagles, you guys should be following them. Uh, welcome, fellas. It's like a home and home. We just we just taped one for your podcast, and so now now we're going to mine. I stole your line, Jeff. You know that, right? I, I was figuring you would, Jordan. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, welcome. Thank you, thank you guys for uh, returning the favor over here. Uh, we want to hear your insight on really this NFC East and the where the Eagles stand at this point because. Uh, they're almost in as bad a shape as the Giants these days. I mean, is what, what Jeff? Tell me what what is it like there in Philadelphia at the moment? Is there any hope in this terrible division that they can be looked at as the team to win in this division? Um, you know, before you even get to the point of that, Jordan, I, I, I I'm gonna guess because I you know I do listen to a little bit of New York sports talk radio, so I've heard it a little bit up there, um, and I assume the, th- the 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 feeling is the same in Dallas that. It almost doesn't matter if one of these three teams wins the division, if they have six or seven wins, because all three teams were trying to get better from year to year. And it looks like all three teams are going to be worse, potentially, uh, than they were last year. That Certainly the potential is there. So I don't know. I think the big question to ask, whether it's, you know, whether it's someone like Gettleman or someone in Philadelphia like Doug Peterson or Howie Roseman or any coaches or even what's going on there in Dallas is, is winning the division enough to make people who are higher, you know, owners and fans, is that enough to make them happy? I can't think of any team's fan base that's going to be happy with getting into the playoffs with six or seven wins, maybe getting bounced out in the first round. I'm not so sure about that. You got to understand, this is the worst. The Giants have been the worst team in the league the last three years. I think Giants fans would take getting into the playoffs with three wins if that's oh, what, yeah. if that's, they that's could have this win. I mean, that's it's been, they haven't seen a meaningful game since 2016. <laughs> That's when, yeah. that's when the guys took their shirts off on a boat. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, I remember that. But um, <laughs> I definitely think for Dallas and Philly, though, it's – Yeah, you it's guys not- just have higher expectations, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and they're getting lower as we speak. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me, Adam. You, you break it down for me. You're okay. good with this stuff, the X's and O's. Carson Wentz, we, I look at it, and I'm sitting yeah. here looking at the NFC. So you got Kyle Allen for Washington. You got Daniel Jones struggling with the Giants. And then you have Andy Dalton. We all saw what happened on Monday night. Andy Dalton probably is what Andy Dalton is, right? So you have Carson Wentz. I'm thinking to myself, wow, Carson Wentz is by far the best quarterback in his division right now. But at the same time, he hasn't played very well, and he's under a lot of pressure in Philadelphia. Yeah, I would say, Jordy, I would say for the first four games, I was scratching my head. I'm like, man, what what is wrong with him? And you can't blame it all on the offensive line and all the guys who are hurt. Probably pressing – uh, Jeff and I have talked about on our, on our show many times about just not turning the ball over. Just stop turning the ball over. Give your, your, yourself and your, your club a chance to win. Sounds familiar, huh? And yeah, yeah, like Daniel Jones. <laughs> and that's what he's done lately. His decision-making has been much better. He's The term that uh, team sources have said to me is he's willing the team through everything. Right. He's put the team on his back. The, the, the performance last week got hit 16 times, most I think in any game that he's ever played. It was just, it was it was a bludgeoning really in the first half. I mean, you kind of was like look away, like man, they're gonna, I don't think he could last in this game. But being you know, he put all this weight on Jordan. He's up to you know, 250, and I think that's really helped him. And all of a sudden, you know, you head into the fourth quarter, like, well, this game's over. They only have six points. They're getting blown out here, and then they put up 22, and somehow almost pulled it off through the 
sheer will of, of Wentz was just phenomenal. And you're starting to see his, his toughness, which I think everyone knew if you've studied him, but it's really come out over the last couple of weeks because Pittsburgh, they hit him, and then Baltimore hits him. And listen, if you could get through those two teams and you, you've scored nearly 30 points in each one of those games, you're probably playing good football despite now without four of his offensive linemen, which is just incredible. So to sum it up, he's by far the most talented quarterback, and he's the best quarterback. I don't think that's even up to discussion. But when you keep turning the ball over, you bring yourself down to that pack of the other guys that you were talking about. And I also would say the Giants, um, just I, I would tell you, I would add Daniel Jones in there. He's really gifted. He's very well respected around the National Football League. I've talked to a lot of personnel people. They like him. It's just that the, he's got some challenges there, as you were talking about, turnovers and offensive line play. Is, is, isn't it interesting? We talk about both teams. Giants just don't simply have enough talent in the offensive line. Eagles do, but none of these guys are available. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, the Cowboys are in that situation now too. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, and then the Washington football team also, their offensive line is, is just not very good. Uh, so well, it's, it's, it's really a common theme here in this division. It's funny. A lot of people in the offseason, Jordan, told me, a lot of league people told me that they felt that the Eagles and Cowboys would be far ahead in the division because with COVID and the altered training camp and the no OTAs, at least you had – uh, with the Eagles, you have the same head coach, same quarterback, same defensive coordinator. With the Cowboys, even though they made a coaching change, it was still the same offensive scheme right. with uh, uh, Kellen, um, what's it? Kellen, Kellen Moore. Kellen, Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott. But now it's almost flipped a little bit because now that Andy Dalton's their quarterback, that's a new player to a new scheme and a new head coach. But with Washington, they've now got this, the head coach and scheme from Carolina – but now they have the comfort there. Now it clearly didn't help them in the game against the Giants, but you wonder if yeah. as the season goes on, they put it together a little bit. I don't know. It sort of evens out the playing field, really, is what it did. So, it did. But here, so here's the question, Jeff. Can the Eagles ultimately, and this week and moving forward, with whoever those guys are on the offensive line, be able to protect Carson Wentz and, and do enough that that could be a consistently, at least we're not going to say good offense, but how about decent offense? I mean, I think they can protect him, Jordan, if they get Lane Johnson back, if Jason Peters can come back, maybe move back to right guard. Jordan Mailata has actually played fairly well at left tackle. Nate Herbig has done a decent job at Nate left Johnson, guard. Nate, uh, Lane Johnson have a chance this week? Ah, uh, Man, you know, you never know. He likes to gut it out, but um, obviously they're not doing a lot of practicing on the field right. this week, which helps his case, I think. It allows him to have that rest, that extra rest. So Adam may have a little more information on that. I think it's still kind of up in the air. But if they can protect him. But the question I, I say to you all the time is, we, as Eagles fans and media, we got to stop wondering about who's coming back in what week because every week they lose two or three players. And to the point where you just welcome back, you know, like Will Parks and you just welcome back uh, somebody else into the lineup, but then you lost Miles Sanders and then you lost Zach Ertz. So it's usually net negative every week with the injuries with them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a tough way to live. Uh, Adam, when you look at this Eagles defense, right, uh, you, you think they should be a pretty decent defense. But yeah. There's been such even uneven results. Why do yeah. people think that's the case? Well, the front is phenomenal now that they've got everybody. It's really the only part of the defense that's healthy, although they're not going to have Malik Jackson this week with his quadriceps injury. He was their third, third tackle. No, I think when you look at this matchup, there's no reason to think the Eagles won't dominate the Giants' offensive line. The word into the scouting community is – Cameron Fleming is a good swing tackle. He's not a starting tackle. He's, he's a below-average tackle. Right. Gates is not strong enough physically. Uh, you, you, you know, you told us about Andrew Thomas before. 
We'll see how Andrew Thomas kind of rebounds from what happened last week. But there's no reason to think that the Eagles won't dominate. But here's the thing, though. If you protect and you throw opposite Darius Slay, you're going to have success because Avanti Maddox, by the way, his ankle isn't right yet. If he plays, it won't be close to 100%. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. He really should be their slot corner. He's, they're playing him outside, which turned out to be not as good as they would hope with him. He's really talented, but he's more of a slot corner. So there are plays to be, to be made if... Depending on where Darius, it's funny. We should, I knew this was going to come up. Darius Slay and Darius Slayton. Depending yeah. off, can't wait. Right. Depending <laughs> off, both are going against each other. If they're not, uh, I, I'm, I'm going after whoever lines up opposite Darius Slay because that is the guy who you can beat. Sounds very familiar, though, when you're talking about the Giants. You know, it's the same thing. Anyone who lines up opposite James Bradbury, right, throw, right, throwing right. the ball in that direction. Right. So, yeah, for sure. So. That that's been the that's been the case right for years now. I mean, that you just mentioned they just beat them up on their defensive front, beats up the Giants' offensive front, and that's quite frankly why the Eagles have just dominated this rivalry, right? I mean, was it seven in a row they won? The Cowboys, ironically, have won seven in a row as well. So the Giants have lost fourteen straight. Can I tell the can Cowboys I tell and the Eagles? Is it, like, is it even viewed? You guys tell me. Do they even view it as this big rivalry anymore? I mean, is, 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 they just look at the the Giants as okay, they're the doormat with this, this well, Giants week. This should be when we get right. Right. If the fans were, if we could have a full crowd there, believe me, because last year, being that game when the Eagles got booed off the field, was it a Monday night game, Jordy? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think it was and they got it was definitely they a primetime game. Yeah, they actually benched Miles Sanders. They took him out and put Boston Scott in. Ironically, isn't it funny? The two games where he had double-digit touches, Boston Scott, were against the Giants. And I cannot – it was one of the few times since they opened Lincoln Financial Field in 03, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. that you could actually hear in the press box, boos were so loud. The team literally got booed off the field. It was – I couldn't believe it. But that was also the game where Darius Slayton – remember, Darius Slay was not with the Eagles then. Now that Slay's there. You wonder, though, guys, to move this forward here, how could the Giants hang in this game? How are they going to be able to score? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's obviously the question. It has been all year whether the Giants can put up enough points. Uh, so, hey, you guys, let's close with this. Everyone give me a prediction of who we think can actually win this putrid division. <laughs> ja, ja, who, who wants to take it first? Who feels, yeah, confident, who feels confident in any of these four teams that they're willing to go out on a limb? 
I got to tell you, man, I have this scary kind of like premonition that Alex Smith is going to come back. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, he's already back, but he's going to take that job in about three weeks. Oh, yeah. You're getting crazy and, now. You're getting real crazy. Well, the Washington's defense is legit, and uh, they got as good of a chance of anyone, I think, as long as they can move. I'm just telling you, if Alex Smith becomes their quarterback, starting quarterback at any point during this season, and they're still in it, I'd be really worried about what they can do over the last four or five games. Well, the I wasn't Eagles expecting have, that, Jeff. You, Eagles you have murderers for sure. Eagles have to play Cleveland, New Orleans, Green Bay, Seattle, and then Arizona in a five-game mm. stretch. Jeez. The way they're playing right now, it's hard to see them winning any of those games. <laughs> Adam? That's true. Uh, Adam, who do you got? Who do you got? Yeah, I, I, what's funny? Are Jeff, you going to go Washington too? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I thought a couple weeks ago, because so much has changed now, I thought it was Dallas's one to win because of the talent level that they have on both sides of the football defensively the players cannot figure out Mike Nolan's scheme the, the lack of execution is embarrassing I mean they, they are non-competitive on defense right now offensively they lost Dak Prescott for the season he won't be back till the spring so and Andy Dalton he's not been with these guys and their timing is way off the, the, the Cardinals embarrassed them there on both sides of the football the one thing though the Eagles have coming for and we think but after their week nine bye they should have a lot of these players back who are hurt and they've got like 12 key players who are injured right now if they get most of those guys back, they could win this division rather handily. But Jeff makes a great point. That schedule is tough. But if you could get all your key players back or most of them, you don't worry so much about schedule. You just look at how good your roster could be. But if they don't get these back guys back, they're going to be a five-win team. Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't want to pick any of these teams either. <laughs> I, I, my, my gut tells me, like, I go always go back to who has the best quarterback. And I think it's probably Carson Wentz in this case. So they'll find their way. Like, the way to get the most wins out of the group. I mean, I don't think the Giants can get more than like four or five. So I think somebody's going to get more than four or five. They likely two of these teams have to win this weekend, for God's sakes. They play each other, the four teams. Unless we now, get a tie. That's saying they can get a tie. The Eagles have shown us before that it is possible. But uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm going with the Eagles only because if I have to put my, you know, money and trust on anybody, I guess it would be Carson Wentz over. Andy Dalton or Daniel Jones at this point, but uh, I certainly don't feel comfortable about that either. <laughs> I agree. I don't know. That that's where we're at. This is this is how we're getting through the season. We're in week. What is this? Se- uh, seven. seven. Week yeah. seven, brother. Week seven. We can't even we can't even pick find a team that we're confident can get seven wins. Because they I all think challenges, go. man. They all every every single one. Jeff and I agreed on this one. We we thought that Philly would have the big advantage of the returning the, the returning coaches. But they've been decimated by injury. The Giants are the Giants are kind of starting over here. They 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 need. They're in a rebuild. Yeah, they're in a total rebuild. Dallas has got a really good roster, but they've not benefited from uh, any of it because the, the the coaches are new to this and the, the players are clearly not buying in on defense. And in Washington, they they have a very bad quarterback situation. They've got issues on the offensive line. They're really bad at receiver other than McLaurin. Yeah, their weapons stink. Yeah, and they don't have anything yeah. at tight end, so they're. You know, Logan Thomas is a nice story, but let's face it, Logan Thomas is a converted quarterback. So, isn't it funny? Each team has earned their stripes here to be bad. It's each, <laughs> they all have their own issues. Yeah, that's why it's, it's not like, oh, this team is just, they're, they're playing poorly. No, no, these are bad, four bad teams right now, for sure. Yeah, and by the way, I have uh, very little faith with the number of hits that Carson Wentz is taking on a weekly basis that he's going to be around to see the end of November and December to make that uh, late rally that he's been known for. He's just taken so many hits. So That would obviously change everything, though, if that were the case. I mean, if you told me he's not making it through the season 
Then it's Washington, baby. <laughs> <laughs> if Washington wins, Jeff, I'm definitely going to – if they start coming and making that charge, I'm going to be like, darn, Mosher. Well, maybe they'll have a, maybe they'll have a team Washington in week six, seven. That's yeah. right. You remember you heard it here first. Nostromos Mosher. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Mostradamus, actually, but that's oh, okay. okay. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. I appreciate it. On to the next one. Appreciate the time from my guys, Adam Kaplan and Jeff Mosher there. Got an idea of what's going on in Philadelphia. And really, this is like a weekly thing, okay? We, we get a little idea of what's going on lately with, with the other NFC East teams. And you know what? As a Giant fan, it should make you feel a little bit better because they're a mess down there in Philadelphia. They're totally decimated. They don't know if they can survive. You got the Cowboys. They're a mess we, with everything. And then you got the Washington football team. Look at their quarterback situation. So if you're the Giants, you're like, hey, you know, things are, might not be as bad as we thought, even though we some we are still the worst team in the NFL over the last three years. But look, at least we seem to be trending in the right direction. I don't know if these other organizations are because, right, Washington, where's their future at quarterback right now? That's trouble long term. Eagles, older team, beat up, decimated. Really? I, I, has their window closed? I think you can definitely make that argument. And then you got the Cowboys, like they changed coaches. You thought, okay, they have all this talent. Maybe just not the right talent. And their quarterback has a shattered leg. So they're not in great shape long-term either. So with that, uh, let's do a little uh, Jordan on the beat here, and then we'll, I'll give you a little prediction for Thursday night, Eagles, Giants, uh, and um, we'll wrap this up, okay? So a little Jordan on the beat, and this is where I tell you what it's like to be a reporter covering the Giants, working for ESPN, or just covering the NFL in general. And I spent a lot of time in Philadelphia over the years. I, I lived there for 12 years. So I worked in the media down there. And uh, it doesn't appear that I'm going to be going to the game this week because this is 2020 and with coronavirus restrictions. It's, it's just the, the juice is not necessarily worth the squeeze to go to a lot of these games. You don't get locker rooms. So what, what are you really doing there? There's very minimal benefit. So doesn't look like I'm going to go at this moment. Maybe that'll change. But it reminds me of, okay, we're going in the link, Philadelphia, Lincoln Financial Field, their stadium. is. Uh, so after the games, when I was working there covering the Eagles, being part of the Philadelphia meeting, media, after night games and stuff, some people used to bring beers and we used to sit in the parking lot, have a few beers before you went home. And I don't know, you know, think about it. After night games, we're working – we're writing a story, whatever, after night game. So we're talking late, talking like 1 o'clock-ish. You know, there would always be like a, l a little uh, media powwow in that parking lot, which was always fun. You have a, a beer or two before you go home, and you really just, you know, shoot the you-know-what with, with, with people. And it was always fun and interesting. And it reminds me of this one time, okay? You're talking about 10, 12 years ago at this point. And I remember Rich Hoffman, who's uh, – he – Worked for the Philadelphia Daily News. Great guy. Uh, he used to be. A, he was a columnist there at the time. He, he is now, I believe, an editor. But uh, so I remember we were drinking beers and we were talking about it. And, and technology was changing at this time. You know, ten, twelve years ago, probably at this at this point. And uh, I remember saying he was saying like, and I was saying, uh, you know, I was reading and I would bring. I would bring. I didn't have kids at the time. It was just me and my wife in there, and my wife would be at work, and I would bring my computer. Into the bathroom at the time. I had this little little Mac. And I would bring my computer into the bathroom and read. 
You know, like there was no he. We were talking about newspapers, so the end of newspapers, and we were talking about it. And I was saying, yeah, I bring my computer. I don't read newspapers anymore. I bring my computer into the bathroom if, when I, when I, when the time comes, and and I read the computer. And he's like, wow, if that's how, where we're headed, like we're all screwed. And like now that you think about it, now we're five years later. You don't go to the if you go to the bathroom, you don't go without your phone. Everybody does it, right? That was just the old school version, and he couldn't believe that that's where we were headed. And then two years later, everyone's sitting there. Three years later, with their phones, every time you you know you go anywhere, you're like, okay, you, seriously, can you go to the bathroom these days and not bring your phone? I mean, it's like one of the first. If I have to go to the bathroom, I'm like, oh, let me get my phone first, even if I don't have it on me at the time. Because it gives you something to look at. You could answer emails, text, read, whatever you want. And that's the reality of where the business has gone in regards to media, right? Because now it's everything's in your hand. It's in that phone. It's in the little black box, uh, your iPhone or your whatever other you know Android-type phone you have. I mean, it's all right there. And you bring it. So it reminds me of Giants playing the Eagles going back to Lincoln Financial Field for some reason reminded me of that conversation. And how in the span of probably... 10, 12 years, that's how far, how far we've come and how much this business has changed. It's pretty crazy to think about, really. It really is. May, yeah, may, that was probably around, like, what, 2008, 9, 10? So, yeah, the 10, 12 years. Crazy that that's where we are. As far as this week's Giants-Eagles Thursday night game in Philadelphia – I'm taking the Eagles. Beat up, but to me, and I look at the division, and I say, okay, where do you start? I always start with the quarterbacks. Most important thing. You have Carson Wentz, struggled early this year, has not played great. Obviously, much better pedigree so far, at least in the NFL, than Daniel Jones. Has played better even this year, in my opinion, probably, than Daniel Jones. So... To me, okay, they have the best quarterback in the division right now because, right, the Giants have Daniel Jones, hasn't played great. The Washington football team has Kyle Allen. Okay, not even going to go there. The Dallas Cowboys have Andy Dalton. We saw Monday night. And now I don't think Andy Dalton's that bad. He's serviceable at times. But Andy Dalton is average at best. At best. So the best quarterback in the division to me is Carson Wentz. And we've seen it before. He went out on the field with a bunch of schlubs against the Giants last season. Boston Scott was running the ball over the place, and Carson Wentz did enough, led them to a comeback victory, and the Eagles won. So I see kind of the same thing in this one. Sloppy game, neither team very good. You know, their weaknesses being exploited. Both offensive lines really in that regard. Uh, The Giants are a little beat up. I just think the Eagles will have enough offensively. Carson Wentz, he look. He's willed them to points against the Steelers and the Ravens the last two weeks. It wasn't enough because those are good teams. Now he wills them to 24, 27 points against this Giants team with the way their offense has played. I think that's going to be enough for a victory. So I'm going Eagles 26, Giants 20. Eagles 26, Giants 20. So we're back to the point where this is not – it would be back to the point where this is not a good Giants team. They still need to make progress. The offense is not very good, and they're not in the division race for real. Because they lose this game, they now have lost to the Cowboys and the Eagles, and they're 
at least, what, a game and a half back of both. They're actually exactly a game and a half back of both if they lose, I think it is. But anyway, that's where it would stand. So they lose this game, and we could completely just eliminate any hope of being in that division race. But And, that, and you know what? That would be 15 consecutive losses to the Eagles and Cowboys. Right now, the reality is the Giants are the NFC East doormats for the Eagles and Cowboys, unless they can win this game. Prove me wrong. Show me you could beat one of these teams, and then maybe we could all become semi-believers in this organization that they're headed in the right direction. 14 straight games they're entering Thursday night. Seven each. Cowboys, Eagles. Having lost all those games, dating back to 2016. The last time the Giants beat the Cowboys or Eagles, Odell Beckham Jr., I believe, had a 61-yard touchdown against the Cowboys on a Monday night, Sunday night. It was definitely a night game. In 2016, in December of 2016, Giants won 10-7. That's the last time they beaten the Cowboys and the Eagles. This is like the 70s, the mid to, late, mid to late 70s into the early 80s when the Giants were just, they couldn't compete with the Eagles and Cowboys. That's where they're at right now in that regard. And until I see otherwise, I'm not picking them. So that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, email. Reach out to me. We'll do a Giants After Dark probably early, uh, probably early next week at some point. So if you have any questions, fire them to me anytime. Make sure to tell your friends, fo- uh, follow, listen, uh, give us feedback on this podcast. It's available on all podcast platforms, Apple, uh, P- Apple Podcasts, uh, ESPN app. You know where to find us. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.